0: couples have a child but you know it's it's grown more to just major life events and milestones now as generally when you see it so it's definitely uh, more commonplace than I think when we were growing up but it it signifies you know something good in your life and again um, the elderly generation wishing the younger generation you know good health good luck uh, my grandmother actually uh, came to town when we first opened and the first thing she did when she walked through the door of the brewery was hand me a red envelope So it just goes to you know how much that tradition means to to Chinese culture and to both Barry and me.
1: Welcome to another episode of Home Plates. I'm your host, Dee Dee Madigan, and today we are celebrating National Beer Day. Now today isn't technically National Beer Day, it's on Saturday, however, because this podcast comes out every Wednesday, we shall be celebrating Beer Day, or at least I will be celebrating Beer Day twice. Lucky Envelope Brewery co-founders Barry Chan and Ray Kwan join me in the studio to discuss their own brewery and also beer in general. Keep listening for some fun beer trivia and also to learn more about the Seattle brewery scene. And of course, be sure to check out Lucky Envelope Brewery, which is located in Ballard. I have visited their brewery. It is quite fun. Be sure to subscribe to Home Plates. We are on Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, and Google Play. Keep listening. This is another episode of Home Plates. All right, welcome to another episode of Home Plates. Today, I have two very special guests for you who are going to talk all about beer. Barry and Ray are from the Lucky Envelope Brewing uh, Company, which is located in Ballard. Barry, Ray, would you like to introduce yourselves a little bit and uh, talk a little bit about your brewery?
2: Yep. Hi, my name is Barry Chan. I'm one of the co-founders and the brewmaster at Lucky Envelope Brewing.
0: Uh, My name is Raymond Kwan, co-founder and director of operations at Lucky Envelope.
1: I've read a little bit about how you guys got started, but I'll make you tell it again just so we can hear it in your own words of how you guys know each other and then how you guys ended up starting the brewery.
0: Sure. Uh, Barry and I met actually in Los Angeles in 2006, I believe, uh, through a mutual friend, I had gone to high school with a mutual friend, Barry had uh, gone to college with him, and when Barry came out to grad school in Los Angeles, he didn't know anybody, so the mutual friend connected the two of us, and we've been friends ever since. Barry moved here to Seattle in 2008, and I moved up here in August of 2010. So uh, since then, you know, uh, Barry had been uh, started homebrewing at home, and I would join him for homebrew sessions. and. There was one afternoon where I had recently left my job at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and Barry was talking about uh, his passion for beer, and uh, that conversation quickly escalated to uh, putting some notes down on paper about opening up a brew pub or a sports bar, and what eventually ended up being a brewery, actually. So about a year and a half of planning, fundraising, finding a location, we finally opened up our doors to the general public in May of 2015
2: for me uh i've always had a passion about beer back in college in philadelphia that's where i first got introduced to craft beer by a uh, uh, victory hop devil which was you know kind of mind-blowing to me after being used to the typical college beers <laughs> that, you, that you drink and then um from that point on it was kind of one of those things where i'd always seek out to get get new beers try new styles and all that so um after I graduated from college, I ended up moving to uh, California, went to grad school at UCLA, go Bruins, and um, from there, after graduate school, I ended up getting a job in Seattle, working downtown for an engineering firm, and um, yeah, kind of going through the, the corporate ladder, climbing up, and then found out that I didn't want to be a project manager. I'd, I'd much prefer being an engineer, and uh with that I kind of re- did some reevaluation and I was looking to potentially leave the job and that's where Ray and I connected.
1: Now, okay, what makes a beer a craft beer?
2: Craft beer is a definition that's set forward by the Brewers Association. Mm-hmm. So, technically it's there's a certain volume of beer that you can produce and then if you're under that volume of beer um, that's what can be considered technically a craft beer. But as far as what people consider craft beer, I, th- I feel like a lot of it is more based on independently owned beer companies of those nature of that nature, and understanding that the hands-on aspect as opposed to something being brewed on a very large scale levels.
0: Yeah, you know, just to, to follow up on that, I mean, the Brewers Association has three specific guidelines. One's based around the ownership, which Barry mentioned about it being independent. One is based around the amount of beer you're producing annually. And there's a third, uh, perhaps, you,
1: <laughs> you know,
0: it's, it's one of those things, it's on their website. But, you know, I think the independent thing, you know, independent craft beer is the kind of initiative the Brewers Association has taken in the past uh, probably six months to nine months now where they're trying to get these smaller craft breweries to sign on to this program advertising that they're actually an independent craft brewer and they have new logos and um, collateral that uh, some breweries have been using to promote themselves differentiate themselves from perhaps the uh, you know larger craft breweries who actually are owned by large mm-hmm. organizations versus the ones that are truly independent and you know for for us you know it's all about Barry's expertise, the craft beer aspect of it, is really their ability to come up with fun and unique recipes, and really um, you know push their limits in terms of their you know their um, their skill sets and their knowledge in, in brewing the actual beer. They have a lot of flexibility currently with you know the way we're run and the way we're organized to have some fun in the back of house there. <laughs>
1: Everyone likes beer, I feel like. Most people like beer, I guess. What was it about beer that made you guys so passionate about it that you guys wanted to open up a brewery?
2: For me, it was after I caught the homebrewing bug. So um, I took a, a route that is pretty common in the brewing industry with kind of the new guard of brewers coming through, where I was a homebrewer and then kind of took that passion up to the next level owning a brewery or working at a brewery. And the way I got into home brewing was, I mentioned before that I, I was always out and about trying new beers, visiting breweries, and getting excited about new products. But what I found myself doing at one point was I caught myself criticizing a beer, saying, oh, I wish it had more of this. But then I had a realization moment. I didn't know how to brew beer. So um, it was kind of a challenge unto myself, and that was pretty much when I moved up to Seattle. I ended up buying a homebrew kit and challenged myself to learn how to brew. And um, after a couple batches, which were okay, I got into some, some literature, podcast, things like that, to further expand my brewing knowledge. And uh, I just found brewing to be kind of the perfect combination of science and, uh, and kind of magic, for lack of a better word.
0: Uh, when I left my previous career, I just wanted to actually start my own business, be my own boss, and that was uh, really where my passion was. Um, after you know, hanging out with Barry and homebrewing at, at his home uh, quite regularly, and uh, you know, seeing the community around it, in particular, the homebrew club that Barry was a part of uh, held regular events, and you know, we'd, we'd spend time with them at various uh, you know beer events around town. And to me, that was definitely appealing. You know, coming from a very traditional corporate America background, moving towards an industry that was more community-focused and community-based was definitely welcoming. And so, you know, almost three years in now, everything has been really fantastic. The the entire beer industry and the beer community is is a lot of fun. You know, there's a lot of challenges ahead for all of us, but it's been a great three years so far for us.
1: Since you talked, you mentioned community of homebrewers and stuff. What is like that community like and then I guess oh like bigger picture what's the beer culture like in Seattle?
0: Well I can speak to uh, when we were actually developing our business plan and building out our space you know one of the nice things was being able to reach out to not just brewery owners here in Seattle but brewery owners uh, across the country We had friends in Colorado, New Mexico California who gave us a lot of guidance and advice and You know, at the end of the day, uh, traditionally, we're all competitors, but it was just amazing that they took time out of their busy days to give us advice, to give us the support, uh, the resources to help us figure out what we needed to do to get ourselves open. And, you know, that definitely is, you know, even three years later, four years later, we find ourselves giving back to the community in the same way, whether it's an established brewery looking for assistance or it's a new up-and-coming brewery that's looking for assistance we feel that we definitely have to you know pay our dues and and give back to the community the same way we got that assistance when we were opening up
2: yeah Yeah. i think ray hit the hit the nail Mm -hmm. on the head it's it's a very collaborative environment and um, i still think that it exists although especially in seattle there's you know I i can't even count how many breweries but i know that we're in the 60 to 70 breweries in seattle proper range and uh it's still incredibly open and uh we can always rely on other breweries to kind of help us out if we're in a pinch. Um, we see that all the time in the in forums and, and, and things, in communication um, venues where people are asking for, hey, we got shorted on a certain ingredient, we, we're we out of yeast, can anybody help us out? And then they'll easily receive five or ten emails saying, oh yeah, we got some if you want to pick it up. And um, the, the cool part about it, there's there's not many industries like that, but we're still in that rising tide lifts all boats mentality where there are there's a lot of room for people to kind of make their way into the brewing industry and um, into the beer scene
1: you guys as i recall are you guys both from the east coast yes we are do you feel like there's a different beer culture west coast versus east coast
2: from what i've seen uh in my experiences uh, in forums and and whatnot I, fe- I feel like it's very very similar
1: mm.
2: there's different there's some different taste uh Profiles that might fit East Coast versus West Coast, and you can see that coming out now. But and even how people communicate with each other through rating programs, things like that. But uh, I feel like overall, if if I'm hanging out on on Reddit or or or, or some forum like that, there's breweries that are all giving information from all around the country and even the world. So it's I think it's a very universal
1: thing. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like the community's pretty tight knit. So. Yep. Everyone helping each other. Which is cool. I know that, Lucky, like when I went to the website, one of your kind of mottos or slogans, or I guess, is like culturally inspired beer. Why was it important for you guys to make that, I guess, a priority when uh, creating the brewery?
0: So the culturally inspired beer you know, tagline, uh, if you will, um, was created probably about only about 15 months ago. But we just recently started using it more prevalently across Our branding and our marketing and the the notion behind it was uh, you know focused around bringing in all of the traditional brewing techniques from that were developed around the world and introducing of course traditional brewing ingredients but also the non-traditional brewing ingredients and this comes back to my comment from before that the brewers Barry and Josh have a lot of opportunity in the back of house to kind of explore and experiment with different both techniques and, and ingredients. And we wanted to really bring that all together as part of the Lucky Envelope brand that we're not just about your very traditional uh, ales and lagers, but we'd like to venture off a little bit and explore and experiment on our own and try and come up with something fun and unique that um, is not just you know great for the brewers to, to work on, but for our customers to enjoy as well. And we regularly brew, you know, 15-gallon batches on Barry's original homebrew system at the brewery to, you know, kind of test these recipes and then put them in front of our customers and get their feedback. And, you know, maybe two to three times a year we'll kind of hit a home run, find something that's very popular with our customer base, and then we start planning for, you know, full production batches of that beer for the you know, following season or the following year. And that's become a core of how we are you know, developing our recipes and also how we're engaging the customer as well.
2: To add on that, in the brewery, you'll find a, a pretty—one of the comments we get a lot is we, we have a, a wide variety of beer that's done that's very well made. So when we started out, we had a, a couple beers that we wanted to focus on, and uh, one of my passions is lagers and, uh, those are very traditional German style lagers that, that we like to make. So our Helles lager, very clean, simple, but it, and it requires a lot of patience to make. So obviously German brewing tradition is very, uh, it's kind of the, the base of the modern brewing styles. And then, um, we'll also pull in our IPA, which is, you know, it's, it's the Pacific Northwest. We're a couple hundred miles away from Yakima, which is the hop capital of the United States. And, uh, United States is a lead, leading producer of hops in the world, so we thought that that would be a, a great opportunity to you know bring people into that the Yakima Valley and see what kind of products that we make. So we can pull culture from a lot of different aspects, and then uh, what we've been doing definitely over the past two years, even, but we had some when we opened as well. But we're pulling some of that cultural beer from kind of when we, where we grew up or um, kind of more historical, historical beers. So uh, when we first opened, uh, we had a Belgian triple that we infused with uh, Thai lime leaves and lemongrass, which was inspired by a trip that uh, my wife and I took to, to Thailand. And we did a cooking class and went through the markets with somebody that knew the whole, that knew the area, knew the food, and obviously the language. So we got a really great experience there, so wanted to take some of those flavors, put them into a beer. And then um, more recently was probably one of the more exciting ones that we've done that uh, people have been really happy about and thought it was, it's, it's very unique beer where uh, we were able to brew a beer based on, a, on grains found from a historic dig site in, uh, in Northern China. So we, we brewed a beer based on those ingredients and kind of modernized it for, for the palates of today. But it's been uh, it's been really well received, and it's a super exciting beer.
1: I think that's one of the really interesting things with like beer is that like it goes back so far in history and time. It's like been beloved by like so many people mm-hmm. across time, basically.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. And it, and it's not necessarily beloved just because it's beer, but it's also one of the few ways that people could have potable uh, water. From, to, to drink uh, when things like clean sewage systems and things didn't exist, so um, that's it's definitely ingrained in, um, very, in a significant portion of humanity's uh, kind of growth and development as as we have. Right. And
0: just to, to tack on to um, some of the other culturally inspired beers, if you will, you know during the month of June, it's a national day of Sweden, we produced the a, a small batch of a Ydlanstrika. Which is traditionally homebrewed on the island of Josland in Sweden, <laughs> um, and specifically for that for that day for that holiday, and so we've actually uh, done it two years in a row now, soon to be our third, and we've put, last year we actually partnered with the Nordic Heritage Museum in Ballard and served it at one of their uh, fundraising events, and so you know we find ourselves uh, being attracted to. Those types of connections, I guess, between you know the whole the old, you know, uh, Nordic heritage of the Ballard neighborhood where our brewery is, as well as you know um, finding ourselves you know reading through archaeological research papers and brewing a beer based on their findings, and of course then there's the fun stuff of just the basic uh, beer and food pairings. Uh, our Two Pepper Pale Ale is about to be released for the spring and summer season here and it's our pale ale infused with habanero and shishito peppers. But unlike a lot of the pepper beers you find in the market, uh, especially here in Seattle, ours, uh, the brewers strip out most of the seeds, so it's not as spicy as um, other beers and kind of plays into Barry's brewing philosophy of keeping our beers balanced so you can have more than one. You know, whenever we have customers coming into our tasting room, they want to be able to have more than one beer and we definitely tailor most of our our beer styles towards that, towards that goal.
1: And then, do you guys want to talk about the name? Where the name came from, Lucky Envelope?
0: Uh, Barry and I are both of Chinese descent, and when we were brainstorming names, we actually kept coming back to you know our childhood and our you know um, favorite memories, and we actually found ourselves uh, looking back at. receiving the red envelopes and so the name lucky envelope is derived from the Chinese tradition of the elderly generation giving the younger generation the red paper envelopes filled with money and the color red is meant to ward off evil spirits and uh, the money inside is to bring prosperity to the person receiving it and roughly translated from the Cantonese word for the envelope it translates to the act of giving the envelope and then, roughly translated from the Mandarin word, it it's, uh, translates to "red pouch" or what some people will call the "red envelope" or the "lucky envelope." And so, in naming the brewery "Lucky Envelope," we were, you know, trying to pay some homage and respect to our cultural heritage, our upbringing. But again, a lot of the fond memories of childhood, whether it was, uh, you know, finishing up grade school or you know, scoring a goal in soccer or winning an award in swimming you know, our our uncles and aunts and parents would hand us the red envelopes. And you traditionally see them during Lunar New Year, uh, during wedding celebrations and uh, when couples have a child. But, you know, it's it's grown more to just major life events and milestones now as generally when you see it. So it's definitely uh more commonplace than I think when we were growing up. But it, it signifies, you know, something good in your life. And, again, um, the elderly generation wishing the younger generation, you know, Good health, good luck. Uh, my grandmother actually uh, came to town when we first opened, and the first thing she did when she walked through the door of the brewery was hand me a red envelope. So it just goes to you know how much that tradition means to to Chinese culture and to both Barry and me.
1: I really like that you guys. Uh, I don't know. Name, I, I really like the name and appreciate that you know it's a nod to your own heritage. I've decided to do a little research on. Beer because I don't know the process really at all or the different kinds of beer. Do you guys kind of want to do like a beer 101, like ales versus lagers, uh, IPAs versus you know drafts or you know mm-hmm. something like that?
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So the difference between an ale and lager, it's still beer, um, but it comes down to the strain of yeast that uh, people will use to ferment the product. And then coming with, with one strain has uh, certain characteristics where it likes to be happy, and the other strain likes to be at a different temperature range and has different uh, nutritional needs. So uh, the ale yeast, they're all derivations of a, of a certain strain called Saccharomyces cerevisae. And um, those, those ales are generally fermented a little bit warmer temperatures, so Anywhere between that sixty-two to seventy degree Fahrenheit range, and there's always a little bit of, um, of leeway in there. So some of them can get pretty hot. Some of them might start a little bit cooler. But that's the general uh, temperature range. And when you're fermenting with an ale yeast, you'll get you'll generally get certain characteristics where they're they can be a little fruitier in um, flavor, and um, you get a little bit more esters, which uh, can add that kind of pear-like note or um, Kind of a, an appley flavor. When you compare that to uh, lager yeast, that is uh, Saccharomyces carlbergensis, which um, it's a yeast that ferments colder. So uh, lagers will generally ferment in that 50 to 55 degree range. When you when you take when you look at those temperatures, uh, generally people like to say ales are top fermenting, which just means generally it's, it's more active fermentation versus uh, lagers, which are more considered bottom fermentation, which just because the temperature is a little bit slower, and um, the yeast generally hangs out lower in the in the uh, fermenter when you're when you're brewing it. And then the other thing with uh, lager yeast is there's something in there something in its genes which allows it to ferment a couple additional sugars. So when out when you get the final product out of it, if you taste something like a um, like a Pilsner versus a Pilsner lager versus a Pilsner style ale you'll notice generally that the lager yeast will be or the, the beer brewed with the lager is a little bit drier and um, and you'll get a little bit less in terms of the fruitiness it's it's more more of a clean flavor profile
1: would you say that like the general public prefers one over the other or is it kind of more culture specific
2: when you i don't know if it's necessarily culture specific but what i would say it's um, you know when you just look at the per capita consumption of beer by far it's going to be lagers but um, I think that's just basically because of the big three breweries, you know, Budweiser, Miller, Coors. I guess it's big two now. But just based on mass market appeal, that those are the ones that are drank most of. Um, when you get to craft beer drinkers, I believe it skews more towards ales. But that's also because most craft breweries brew ales instead of lagers.
1: Okay, so there's one, like, I don't really know why, but I just feel like IPAs are just very popular right now. I don't know if they've always been this popular, but I just feel like most of my friends who enjoy beer, they're always being like, you gotta try this IPA, it's so good. Why is that? And, like, are there other beer trends that you've seen?
2: Yeah, I think IPAs are really popular because uh, they have an, uh, They can be very intense. The flavors of the hops can range from uh, you know that piney, dank aroma and flavor, but it has that range. You can go to earthy uh, or like woody, uh, minty, and then on the opposite side of the spectrum, you can get things that are tropical fruit. So hops are one way to abruptly change the flavor profile of a beer. You can make the same base beer. And if you throw different hops in there, you'll get vastly different flavor profiles. So I think those make it really exciting. And um, you know, once you get to those tropical hops, I think that's just the flavor profile that people really, really enjoy. So when you have a beer brewed with citra hops, you get that, you get that um, kind of grapefruit zest, but then like huge hits of lychee and uh, gooseberry, things like that. So I think those are kind of eye-opening to people, and it's really nice to, to see people getting excited about it.
1: Any other beer trends that you're seeing lately, or
2: uh, you can see it around, but there are there's a couple different uh, beer trends that we're noticing. the The big one that's kind of hitting the breweries now are the hazy IPAs, so things that are you know, focus more on very low bitterness, but um, a lot of that hop flavor, and uh, they also have a certain mouthfeel to it that pe- people go crazy for. And then there's a couple other things I can I can think of like fruit beers uh, when you're You've been to the brewery. I don't know if you had the Raspberry Sour there. Yes. Yes, yes. so that's a, that's been a really popular beer, and it's also a great gateway beer for a lot of people, so it's easy to get excited about um, those kind of products.
0: I think you nailed the two big ones, you know, fruit beers and the, the New England-style hazy IPAs. You know, it's always a rapidly changing market with the consumers and... Of course, the biggest challenge for the breweries is keeping up with that and trying to stay at least one step ahead of it. But you know, right now, I think there's definitely a, a huge focus on IPAs. Generally speaking, I'm probably you know, a good portion, half our sales is our IPAs, and I think that you know, chimes the same for pretty much every other craft brewery in Seattle that does a similar uh, lineup of beers. You know, there's a handful of more unique establishments that do perhaps you know farmhouse style beers or. A traditional barrel-aged sours, but those are a few and far between. You know, We have our own barrel program on site where we're experimenting with traditionally barrel-aged sours, uh, brett sours, as well as just barrel-aged ales. And so, you know, I think uh, for, for most of the breweries, again, it's an uh, opportunity to kind of experiment and do something new, and we definitely find our, ourselves uh, stretching our own capabilities here, but it's been a good learning process, and. For the most part, I think the beers we have released, especially from the Barrel Age program, has been fairly well-received, and so we're going to hopefully continue to build that program and continue to put out some fun and unique stuff that perhaps incorporates fruit into it. Perhaps we throw an IPA into a barrel, but I'm not sure how that's we, going to turn out. We've got a
2: few of those.
1: <laughs> now, okay, so I went to the brewery with some friends last weekend, and I tried every every beer you had on tap. Oh, great. Um, I got a flight, so <laughs> I would be in well informed for this interview. One of the ones that we were sort of struck by or surprised by was the peanut butter one. Mm-hmm. So can you describe how you, I don't know, like, I just hadn't seen that before, and I wouldn't have thought of but really did taste like peanut buttery. So where did you get that? I like what inspired that one.
2: Uh, for me, it was it's kind of a natural progression where we've done a couple attempts at it, and um, they've all they've all turned out well. But I think we we hit it really really well with the milk stout. We've tried it with uh, porters before, but the flavor profile of that milk stout has that kind of there's a little bit of sweetness from the lactose, and then it, it's a very chocolatey beer. Mm-hmm. So when you know the same thing. Be the chocolate flavor uh, component is found in the in a porter as well. But when I was thinking about fun flavors to incorporate into a porter or a stout, um, you know, chocolate. What comes to mind for me? Peanut butter. So we were looking around and uh, we were able to find a, uh, you know, some some peanut butter that we could use into the beer without greatly affecting. You know, because Peanut butter has oil, mm-hmm. but um, we, we found a product that we could use that doesn't necessarily degrade from head retention in the, in the beer. And um, it imparted a really nice flavor where there are a couple peanut butter beers in the market, um, but I found them to taste more like a kind of like a Reese's peanut butter cup. So they're a little bit sweeter and uh, kind of that Butterfinger uh, flavor. But what I wanted to do was get it to taste more like Adams peanut butter that that with with the oil yeah, rising to the top. Yeah. So, using real peanut butter was one of the big focuses for me, and uh, we were we've been able to. Yeah, you know, we I think it's been out for three years in in a you know seasonally, and uh, this the last batch that we've done with the uh, the milk stout has been
1: awesome. Yeah, that one was definitely interesting. It was <laughs> cool though. I was thinking, yeah. like, wow, it really does yeah. taste like peanut butter. Are there any like Flavors or I guess beer flavors that you want to try, really try, um, but you haven 't yet
2: we've got a we 've got a running list of stuff we want to try, <laughs> and um, th- there a lot of them are not necessarily good, but we just want to do it for fun. <laughs> there there's always, there's a there's a ton of ingredients especially for me when um when I'm listening to uh you know food podcasts mm-hmm. or um just kind of reading about uh food in other countries uh when ray was in hong kong he'd send over pictures of menus things like that where you kind of look over it and you say wow I w- I would love to throw that into a beer so there's there's really cool ingredients like uh pandan leaves that I would love to but we just need to find the right fit and also the uh the capacity to to do so <laughs> Well, you know, we we just released
0: our lychee sour during our Lunar New Year celebration. That was one I've been pushing for for a couple of years now. And it's actually the trip to Hong Kong back in December where I came back and like we got to use real lychee. We can't go with alternative solutions. We just have to get the fruit, and that's what we ultimately ended up doing. And um, it was quite a bit of fruit, but it worked out well. Um, you know, some of the things I'm looking forward to uh, coming up in you know next month and in July is, you know, we're going to be using a blackberry in our sour. I believe we have a peach IPA, a watermelon hella. So we're Mm. going to be experimenting with some of your standard fruits and um, incorporating those into our beers. But, you know, get a little more wild and exciting. You know, during Halloween, we usually do (laughs) some cereal beers. Uh, During the November, December months, you know, during the holidays in particular, we'll do some Perhaps additional dessert beers. In years past, we actually did a, a pie beer, so on Pie Day, which was yesterday. <laughs> this year, we I think we forgot about it. But, um, <laughs> yep, one hundred percent. We forgot about it. But you know, in years past, we would do like an apple pie beer, and so there's definitely again a, a lot of room for. You know, playing, but you know, to Barry's point, you know, as we head into the summer months when it gets a lot busier for, for the breweries, you know, we find ourselves being a little more constrained when it comes to doing the fun and experimental batches of beer. So, you know, a lot of the times if you want to you find that at a brewery, you know, swing by in the fall and winter months, the colder months, and a lot of those beers will be on tap in the tasting room, and customers definitely have the opportunity to taste them.
1: Good To know yeah mm-hmm. it sound the cereal beer that sounds yep. interesting.
2: yeah, it was really cool because uh it, with Halloween coming up, we decided to do beers brewed with uh, frankenberry cereal <laughs> and, uh, and Count chocula <laughs> so that was a that was a trip.
1: <laughs> so, as people who love beer and what are some of your favorite breweries to go to around Seattle? so if you had like a night to do sort of like make the rounds to different breweries, where would you? Where would you guys go?
0: You know, um, our friends at Old Stove Brewing down at the uh, market front there by Pike Place are uh, doing some fun things. They've done everything from European-style lagers as well as their own kettle sours and then traditional ales and whenever our friends come to town they want to do the more you know touristy thing and go check that out and so i regularly find myself bringing them to old stove and you know the beers that they're putting out there are fantastic and the the styles they offer reminds uh, me of kind of what we're doing and so i'm very comfortable going in there knowing that i'm going to be able to find something that i can really enjoy you know one or two of
2: i would say when i'm looking at breweries um, I'm gonna actually venture outside of Seattle because there's just one brewery I can't get enough of, and that's uh, that's Chuckanut up in Bellingham, and they do have distribution down here, which is fantastic. But they focus almost solely on German-style lagers, which is that's my passion. Um, I love lagers, and they do uh, they do a bang-up job. So uh, if breweries notwithstanding, they'll uh, when we're when we're out and at a restaurant or a bar and they have chocolate, that's almost always my my go-to beer. Uh, very just easy drinking and um, great social beers to drink. Uh, when we get to Seattle, uh, I got to think of uh, one of one of our good friends, but he's a great brewer too, uh, Tommy Ortega at Ravenna Brewing. A really small place, but he's he just recently expanded or he's in the process of expanding. But he's making uh some really really solid beer, uh really good some, some nice barrel aged beers and um and some just nice hoppy beers. But the stuff that he produces are things that I can see myself drinking as well.
1: Check those places mm-hmm. out. We went to Rubens after we went to you guys and that was fun. Mm-hmm. It was nice.
2: Yeah. The 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 community in, in our neighborhood is is great and it makes for an awesome afternoon if you're if you're in yes. the area
1: yes yeah, so it was like easy to walk to like a ton mm-hmm. so
2: yep five breweries within two square blocks of each other yep. yeah it's in our
1: perfect. neighborhood so <laughs> okay so in your guys's opinion what is the best food to consume beer with and then what beer would you be drinking with this with this food i guess that that will change but
0: no, i'd probably say you know your your typical american pub fare so you know hamburgers hot dogs, you know, French fries, um, you know, uh, it, 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 it's, it's a good balance between, you know, the the um, incredibly healthy foods and all the oil and grease and deep fried stuff <laughs> with the even more healthy beer that you're putting in your system. But no, um, you know, that type of food I find works well with almost all styles of beer and it's usually that type of meal where I'll find myself drinking something other than, say, a pilsner. I might venture off and do an amber or even a porter. But, you know, any other type of cuisine or even meal, it's usually, uh, you know, a, a light lager for me.
2: Uh, for me, yeah, I would say that um, tater tots, french fries, <laughs> and pizza are great, drinking, are great drinking foods. But, you know, the hamburgers go as well, too, because I just think of what do you what do you eat at a, at a cookout when you're hanging out with friends and that's what I that's why I love about beer beer is such a social beverage and uh yeah when you're cooking hot dogs, hamburgers or even ribs for the most part we're drinking uh pilsners, light lagers, things along those lines so that that's what I typically choose uh, when I'm eating.
1: French fries or nachos I feel like are my favorites.
2: <laughs> yeah, nachos are great too. Yeah, the cheese is
1: <laughs> the cheese is necessary. <laughs> I discovered that I don't know, we were at, like, my friend and I were at a movie theater, and um, you could get drinks there. So we just got Blue Moons, but then we had Swedish Fish, and we were just like, wow, this was, like, the perfect combination. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> we have discovered something here. <laughs>
2: Barry has done a Sour Patch Kid beer before. Okay. So. Yep, a, yeah, Sour Patch Watermelon Oh, f- with, okay. uh, with a Hefeweizen. That and, sounds uh, good. I loved it. I absolutely love that beer. I think, I think Ray
0: hated it. I'm not a big fan of candy beers. Now,
2: if we did a ramen beer, I'd be all for it.
1: What would that taste like?
2: We've attempted one on, on uh, one of our one of our friends' uh, systems on a, on a Zymatic, and uh, it didn't turn out. It, it It was better than it should have been, but it was not great. It wasn't good enough that they actually shared it with me
0: before they dumped it. That's correct. I'm still a little upset that I didn't even get to try
1: it. <laughs> but you have to give it another round, huh? I think yeah. we will. <laughs> yeah, <they probably> will. <laughs> <laughs> or if you came out with just like a whole line of just noodle beers, like ramen, yakisoba, <laughs> but thai beer, <laughs> I think that would be Uh-oh. a big challenge. You
2: just added. You just added to my long list of things <laughs> I'm yeah, the noodle bar series. Yeah,
1: the noodle bar series. I have some, I don't know how accurate this is, but I had some like beer trivia that I thought we could do. Mm -hmm. So just like fun facts that I found on the internet. So who knows how true they actually are. But uh, knowing that you guys probably know a lot about beer, see if you know these weird facts or not. That's debatable. (laughs) Okay, so I just have a few questions. But uh, uh, we'll start with which one of these college campuses, first buildings was a brewery in America.
2: Do we get a list to choose from?
1: (laughs) I'll say it's an East Coast uh, school.
0: I'm thinking it's Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's one of the schools in Pennsylvania.
2: (laughs) It's going to be Pennsylvania or something in Massachusetts is my guess. So I'll have to go with my alma mater and say University of Pennsylvania, even though I assume that's incorrect. (laughs) I'm going to guess... Boston University.
0: It's
1: close. Harvard. It's Harvard. Okay. okay. John Harvard, I guess, decided uh, to open a brewery on campus, uh, hmm. and I guess it died out got eventually. Yep. <laughs> but they were initially like, we've got to have a yeah. place for our students and faculty to have beer.
2: That's, uh, that's not... S- Very forward-thinking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very much
1: so.
0: <laughs> well ahead of the game there. <laughs>
1: True. Okay, we'll do a true or false one, so you have like a choice and uh, the answer. <laughs> Puritans brought more beer than water with them on the Mayflower.
2: True. Yep, yeah, I gotta say true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I didn't. I, I guess that goes back to what you were saying about the potable water thing, mm-hmm. huh?
2: Yep. Because if uh, yeah, you you can hang out with some beer, and you know there's always gonna be rats on that ship. And if, that's, uh, <laughs> if you uh, if you get rats in that water, that's not gonna be good.
1: Which one of our, I guess I will I say founding fathers, he wasn't exactly, he wasn't a president, I'll give you that, is quoted to have said, uh, beer is proof that God loves us.
2: That's, uh, that's Ben Franklin.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew where that was going.
1: <laughs> Which country is the top beer drinker? And this was measured by the amount of liters drank per capita.
2: China. Mm, Not per capita. Mm, Mm. I'm gonna say, let's see, it's gotta be something, I'm gonna guess European or Scandinavian. And, ooh, you're nodding, I see that. That's, (laughs) I'm on the right track. Uh, (laughs) I'll just say Germany.
1: Okay, Germany, you're sticking with China? I'll stick with China. Okay, it's the Czech Republic. Mm. They drink 142.4 liters per capita. In comparison, the U.S. drinks seventy-five point four liters wow. per got, capita. Wow, up to do that. <laughs> and then, uh, which state in the U.S. is the top beer drinker per capita?
2: That's a tough one. I'll venture a guess and say Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> Minnesota? Oh, Wisconsin.
1: Okay, I found North Dakota.
2: Well, same area. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's the Midwest. Yeah, sort of there.
2: no not really, but huh.
1: yeah. Which I thought was interesting because I would have maybe thought like the Midwest mm-hmm. too, like, you know, one of those Wisconsin or something. What was the volume on that? Um this one is forty three point three gallons mm. per capita. So yeah. The oldest written recipe discovered um was was a was a beer beer recipe. Um, how many years ago was this, um, how many years ago is this recipe from? And then bonus points if you can name what form that this recipe was written in.
2: Written recipe. That's where you're going? That's the qualifier? Yes. I would, uh, if it's written, I would probably guess Egypt in cuneiform. But I'm assuming wrong, by the way, (laughs) you're looking at me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, this, this I feel like is probably super debatable, this fact. So throw a number out there. Or
0: just 300 know. years, English.
1: <laughs> the, the website I found said 5,000 years ago, and it was written in the form of a song. Songs, oh. I don't hmm. know why. Interesting. Yeah. That one is probably you will find different answers for, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Was,
2: was that in Mesopotamia?
1: I don't know, it did not okay. specify. So you can use your judgment on how accurate them <laughs> those facts were. But uh yeah, okay. Well, were there were there any other things that you guys wanted to talk about, especially about the brewery, upcoming events
0: or we're celebrating our third anniversary at the brewery on April twenty eighth. We'll have six specialty beer releases along with as, as well as some, um, you know, merchandise giveaways for the first handful of customers who walk through the door. But otherwise, it's, you know, hopefully the sun's out and you know, warmer weather, but I feel like, uh, you know, every day is kind of a celebration of beer in Seattle. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> we're, we're definitely spoiled being in the neighborhood we're in, in Ballard. Uh, there's uh, a lot of interest in beer in that community over there, and so, again, it makes it makes our... Uh, our day-to-day uh, a lot more fun than probably what it used to be
1: <laughs> in our previous
0: careers. You know, it's, you know, follow us on social media, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, most of our events are usually posted up on Facebook, and you, know, you can find our beers in bars and restaurants and specialty bottle shops around town.
1: And then the last couple questions that I always like to ask my guests. Yeah. Um, the first one is your favorite drunk food it's totally open after a night out of drinking beer. What is your go-to food?
0: McDonald's
2: chicken nuggets. Okay. <laughs> For me, I'd say my go-to is still a, a good slice of pie, uh, pizza pie, but depending where I am, some places, most of those places will close by 2 a.m., but uh, what I remember from college is the, the, the places in Philadelphia, Chinatown, those places were open, so I would definitely get my uh, preserved egg and pork kanji. <laughs> that, was, that was definitely my go-to uh, for for late late night.
1: Where do you get the pizza from then?
2: We like, I think it's a it's a brewery favorite. We love Big Mario's.
1: I usually end with uh, your favorite food memory, which you can share. So just a memory of food that makes you really happy to think about, or you can maybe choose your favorite beer memory. If it involves food, great. If not, no worries.
2: In the act of drinking beer or related to beer?
1: It's really, it can just be related. Um,
2: the easiest one for me to, to jump to would be uh, winning a medal at the Great American Beer Festival for a Hellas Lager. Mm-hmm. Um, that, was, uh, that was probably the, the most unreal, crazy thing I've ever experienced next to becoming a father. Uh, <laughs> so I've always, yeah, that was something I always dreamed about even as, you know, as a home brewer is to get to uh, bump fists with uh, with Charlie Papazian, who's the founder of the Brewers Association, <laughs> and I always thought I would do it as a home brewer, and never really believed that I would do it as a professional. And to be there in Denver when they called our name and to go up on stage with Josh was uh, probably the most ridiculous experience <laughs> up to that point in my life. Yeah, you know, I I'd probably
0: used the exact same day that happened because I was working at our tasting room and not in Denver, Colorado with them on stage with Charlie Papazian. But I did have a celebratory beer upstairs in our office, our Helles Lager, and then I went straight to work. So, not bitter at all. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was, uh, you know. Again, it was just it was three months after we opened, such an unexpected uh, surprise for us, and um, kind of again validates how we've been able to um, remain open and, and you know uh, growing uh, three years later. You know, it's just a testament to um, the quality of beer that that Barry and, and Josh have been brewing for us.
1: Well, great! Thank you so much for joining me in the studio today. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun to talk to you guys. And uh, hopefully our listeners will come pay you guys a visit at the brewery.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us, Grace. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. It's been fun.
1: Of course. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of Home Plates.
0: Seahawks of the best offensive line in NFL history.
2: Kyle Seeger is the better Seeger brother. Markel
0: Fultz is the best player on the Sixers. Hashtag trust the process.
2: Okay, we don't actually believe any of these things, but if you want to hear our thoughts on topics like these, tune into the Boxing Podcast with Chris Ankiko, Alec Dietz, and Andy Amashta every Friday on the SoundBite Network.